This is episode 54 with Barbara Coloroso, parenting educator and best-selling author. And today we're talking about breaking the cycle of bullying. Can your children witness you in this very uncomfortable situation? Say to your mother, I don't want my kids to ever believe it's okay to make those kind of comments and pretend they're a joke. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hey mamas, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. Today, she is back. The first time I'm having a guest second time around because you guys loved her last episode, which we talked about parenting through crisis. And today we'll be talking about bullying, one of the top topics. Lots of parents just like me, just like probably you and for you yourself as an adult, because no one is immune to this and bullying doesn't seem to be going away. So you don't have to go very far to see it happening at the park, at work as an adult, your co-workers, at your family gatherings, uh, which we're skipping out on this year, in your own home, uh, between siblings. And of course, it's happening quite frequently in schools. I wanted to go deeper and get Barbara to tell us how to make it stop as much as we possibly can, especially as parents. I mean, you would like your kids to talk to you about this stuff if it's happening in their circle of friends. And also if you're a parent slash educator, this will be very enlightening as well because a lot of the bullying happens in schools. All it takes to understand this is a recipe for tragedy is a glance as headli- at headlines across the country. So this conversation is filled with actionable tips on what to do, what to say, what not to do for you parents, mothers, teachers, and kids um, that are being bullied. What can you do as a family, as an individual, as an adult? Course, we'll be talking about a book today. I love, love, love books. And this one, it's uh, the updated version of from Barbara Coloroso's uh, library of books, which is called The Bully, The Bullied, and The Not So Innocent Bystander from Preschool to High School and Beyond. So if you're an adult, you can still get bullied, breaking the cycle of violence and creating more deeply caring communities. And we talk a lot about that not-so-innocent bystander because if you've not been targeted yourself, you've probably seen someone bully another one. And so we're going to talk about that person and how you're contributing to the bullying circle. And weight-based bullying, 
According to Bullying Canada, at least one in three adolescents' students have reported being bullied. Almost half of Canadian parents have reported having a child that is the victim of bullying. Children who are bullied repeatedly have lower self-esteem and do not trust others. Barbara Coloroso is an internationally recognized speaker and author in the areas of parenting, teaching, school discipline, and nonviolent conflict resolution for over 44 years. She's an educational consultant for school districts, medical and business communities, criminal justice system, and other educational associations around the world. Barbara has served as a classroom teacher, a school instructor, and a university instructor. She was a consultant on Sesame Street, and she's appeared on multiple media outlets such as Oprah, CBS, ABC, CNN, NPR, New York Times, and much more. This conversation will help if your child is dealing with any form of bullying, is the bully, or is someone part of the circle of friends Barbara has graciously put together some handouts. I'll link everything on the hand, the website. So go to citruslove.com slash episode 54 and you can have access to the links to get her bullying handout. And she has also updated a new handout uh, during this COVID time that's on her website. And also I will put the link in the show notes on citruslove.com. With that being said, if you do enjoy this episode, share the link with a mother, a teenager that might benefit from hearing this conversation, these tips on what to do when bullying is happening. So with that, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back, Barbara, to the Citrus Love Podcast. You're the first guest that I'm having on a second time around. You can help many parents and mothers listening today about a different topic. So last time we talked about parenting through crisis, and today we're going to talk about another big one, which is bullying, which seems it's always there. And it's one of the topics that a lot of mothers um, worry about the most. It happens to everyone, kids, adults, it seems no one's spared in this. So thank you again for being here. Oh, it's a joy, especially on this topic. It's interesting, the political climate um, increases it today in my own country uh, and other places in the world, but also um, COVID-19 with um, kids now being at home or smaller pods when they do go to school changes the dynamics of bullying. And Mm -hmm. I've had parents say to me, gee, I asked my son, who's in middle school, how he likes doing homeschooling. And he said, I like it. And it just kind of took the mom back. And I said, check it out. Say to him, talk to me about it. Tell me about it. And he just kind of hung his head. He said, they can't bully me in the classroom. Mm. There are some kids who are very comfortable being at home for that reason. Mm-hmm. And it's good to find that out now because they may feel safer to talk about it. Others, even in a video class, the online class, oh, yeah. their classmates are rolling their eyes at them mm-hmm. and targeted there. So it, it's here. It's here it's, and, and we got to confront it. It's very different than conflict, even mm-hmm. sibling conflict. 
you know, next time your children are fighting, say they're normal. <laughs> children who don't fight grow up to make lousy spouses. We <laughs> need kids. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you cannot engage with one another it, with differences as a child, you have trouble then uh, engaging with a partner in differences and you let it either seethe or you give in. So when your kids are fighting, you want to teach them to do it nonviolently. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with bullying. Mm-hmm. But you can see sibling bullying and research has shown that if a child is bullied by a sibling, they are at higher risk for depression, self-harm, drug use in the adolescent years than a kid who is targeted at school and we've dealt with it. But sibling, it's 24 seven. And I would bet in this audience, there are some people who are still targeted by their siblings as adults. And you've got to recognize that's very different than having a conflict about where we're going to have dinner and how we raise our children differently. Mm-hmm. When it's bullying, bullying is about contempt for another human being. And once I have contempt for you, I can do anything to you and not feel any shame or compassion. What do you and mean so, by contempt? See me less than. Like- I tell kids, you don't have to like every kid in this classroom, but you must honor their humanity. Let me give you a home scene look on that. Two kids fighting over a TV program, even if they get a little more aggressive about it, it's mine and they're fighting over the remote, that's a conflict. That you help them resolve themselves. You show them ways to do it. But the 10-year-old has the five-year-old's arm up the back and it's not a yoga pose. The kid is screaming in pain. You rush in there, and as soon as your daughter sees you, she drops her brother's arm and starts comforting him. And you say to that little one, what are you screaming like that for? And the way your daughter looks at your son, because bullying has to do with intimidation. He knows if he says anything right now, since bullying happens under the radar of adults, that he's going to be in trouble when you leave. So he looks at you, he looks at his sister, and he goes, oh, nothing, mom, not Well, then quit screaming. You as a parent have just retargeted that target. But step back a moment. When you walked in there, you saw something you wished you hadn't seen. You saw your daughter smile before she saw you. That's bullying. Conscious, willful, deliberate activity intended to harm where you get pleasure from somebody else's. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. two kids are fighting, they're both upset. They're both angry. Yeah. One may yeah. escalate more than the other because of their own personalities, but it's a fight. It's a conflict, but this is one kid harming the other. Now I gave you the most obvious, which is physical bullying. Mm-hmm. That actually is the least amount, but it's that smirk on the face. I didn't mean to do it. It's an involuntary smirk, by the way. So if a child has that, it's not a smile, it's a smirk. <laughs> uh, and you know the difference. If you see that, then they intended to hurt a brother. Mm-hmm. Or sister. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to get a handle on right away. In your your books called The Bully, The Bullied, and The Not-So-Innocent Bystander, I know there is, you talk about a bigger bullying circle, but I want to focus on the main ones, The Bully, The Bullied, and The Not-So-Innocent Bystander, which The Bystander is very interesting and fascinating to me because we don't focus on that part as much. You hear, there's a bully who's targeted. Can you talk about the bystander? Yes. The not-so-innocent bystander, um, there are no innocent bystanders, by the way. What were they doing there in the first place? That's William Hazlitt's quote. What were they doing there in the first place? Well, in the bully circle, the primary ones, first of all, you have the bully's henchmen. 
That's a kid you didn't raise to act like a bully, but you raised her to do to please. She pleases you as a child. Now she's pleasing her peers in the middle years. The high status social bully says, I don't like the new girl. You want to be in my group? Don't eat lunch with her. And here's your pleasant daughter. You never taught her to be mean. And she wants to go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And so she's even willing to put her backpack down on the chair so the new kid can't sit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have raised a kid who does to please. That's the henchman. They'll do the bully's bidding. In the end, they often get pleasure from doing it because they fit in now is the active supporter. And that's a kid who might be uh, grabbing their cell phone and videoing this exchange in the lunchroom. Mm, which we uh, see a lot these days. Now, yeah, or screenshots of the other kids rolling eyes at one kid um, and, and posting it. Uh, now you say, but she didn't bully, but she contributed to the pain of the kid who was targeted. And the third is the passive supporter. And that's the kid uh, who didn't do any of that, but downloads that screenshot and gets pleasure from seeing somebody else hurt. Now there's a disengaged onlooker, which can often be you and me, who turn a blind eye and say, oh, boys will be boys, girls just want to be mean as part of growing up. Yeah. So have that kid who you did raise to act with integrity and civility and compassion, but they're afraid of the bully. They're afraid if they step in, they'll be next. They're afraid if they step in, Uh, they'll make it worse for their target, or they're simply afraid the bully's bigger, stronger, more popular. And they, I want our young people to understand that's still part of the problem because you didn't do something. At the very top of the bully circle is what I'd like all of our young people to be. And that's what we, I think most of us as parents would choose to raise our kids to be. And that's the brave hearted kid. The kid willing to stand up, speak out, step in, do the right thing when it's difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Walk over to that new girl and invite her to sit with you, which Mm -hmm. means you're setting yourself up to be targeted by the the bully and punishment as well. It takes courage to do that, to report it to an adult. We've taught kids, don't tattle, don't tattle, don't tattle, but we have to teach them the difference between telling and tattling. Telling will get... um, a child out of trouble, the kid who's being targeted. It may get the kid who's doing the targeting in trouble, but it's both. It gets another kid out of trouble because they're getting hurt every day in the lunchroom or online or um, in the, at home. So it, it, we want kids who can witness, resist, to go up to the bully, say, back off, leave her alone, online, to be able to say, hey, that was cruel. You don't need to do that. Let's welcome her into the game. Or um, the third character in this brave-hearted kid is the one who will go sit next to that new girl or in the locker room, say to all the boys, leave him alone. He's not such a bad kid. Now, both of those kids who stood up, are at risk for being targeted. But if you raise them to believe that they have dignity and worth and others have dignity and worth, you have to examine how you treat other people because you have to be taught to be mean. It's a learned behavior. And that's, I think that's what a lot of parents are taught not to do, not to teach their kids. Don't be mean. I mean, how often have I heard that? And I've done, told this to my son as well, but then when bullying happens to them, they get stuck. You know, it's like, they do. but my parents but, told me not to, or this person. And what we want to do is look at the difference between mean and kind, not nice. Bullies are often nice around adults and not so nice 
to the kid who's being, they wanted to target, not mean, they're very mean actually. But I want you to examine as a parent, how do you treat hired help? How do you treat somebody moving through the grocery store a little slower than you'd like them to? How do you treat that new neighbor who looks mm-hmm. different than you, who has a different faith tradition, different language as their first language? Children are watching. And now that the holidays are coming, how do you treat that bigoted relative at the family gathering. We all have bigoted relatives. Some are on the family tree. Some just aren't on the branches yet. They're right there (laughs) at the dining room table spewing bigoted comments thinly disguised as jokes. Can your children hear you saying, I'm bothered by that, or that was cruel, or that was mean, or that was racist, or that was sexist, when all the other relatives roll their eyes, say, look, can't you take a joke? That Mm. comment and you know you've had an impact when you walk back in the dining room and everybody shuts up. But you've had a bigger impact when your mother now is upset with you for spoiling the dinner. And she says, but Uncle George is old. I got to tell you, I'm 73. Old is for bigotry and intolerance. Can your children witness you in this very uncomfortable situation? Say to your mother, I don't want my kids to ever believe it's okay to make those kind of comments and pretend they're a joke. Mm-hmm. The chances of your children witnessing you standing up and speaking out and being kind to others who are different than you yeah. or saying in the carpool, that was mean, that was cruel, not in this car. When they make a bigoted comment about somebody that they see you standing up when it's uncomfortable to do chances of them doing it has been greatly increased. I was reading up online some uh, parents commenting about bullying, and one of them said, it's simple. As adults, we need to stop bullying each other and set good examples for our kids. That helps. Really is a... <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> It's step one. Step one. Step one. <laughs> Look at how you're treating other people as an adult because it's including it children. The, it sets this the stage with for these kids. The kids that have become bullies, what's the main thing they're missing? I wish lack there was of affection, answer. family. There's tons, tons of reasons. There's lots of reasons. Um There are seven, in in my book, I talk about seven different kinds of bullies. Um, Kids who have been targeted themselves, who then not just strike back aggressively and upset when they're striking back, but they decide that, you know, if I'm not worth it, nobody else is either. Remember Mm -hmm. about contempt. The kids that can end up being at the most extreme are school shooters who Mm -hmm. have taken it so long. And don't strike back just aggressively, but with utter contempt. They take out anybody. They don't care who. Now, that's the extreme. Yeah. Uh, But there are also kids who have uh, a disability, who've been relentlessly targeted, who often strike back and are not listened to. Mm. We say, don't hit. Well, they use the physical form where the others were verbally and socially tormenting them every single day, and nobody stopped it. Mm-hmm. There are kids who've been targeted at home, and so they may decide that if it's acceptable at home, well, I'm bigger than some of the kids in my class, so I can do it as well. So it's a, it, again, it's a learned behavior. Well, there is one yeah. group of kids, though, that we need to be concerned about, and that's our high-status social bullies who uh, have learned, they've grown up to believe that there are people less than them. 
that it's okay to treat them with lack of dignity and regard because they're not worth it. Martin Buber said it so beautifully, I am I and you are thou. Calling somebody a thou offers them that sense that we're equal. I'm unique and you're unique and we have a common humanity. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said we're interrelated, interconnected, interdependent. If you can teach your young person that you have gifts and talents and liabilities, and others do too, and we treat one another with kindness. I tell kids you don't have to like every kid, but it's about deep caring. Now, deep caring isn't liking somebody. I often say to audiences, how many of you have an adolescent? They raise their hand. I say, how many of you do not like your adolescent right now? And some raise their hand again. And others will say, oh no, politically correct, they don't like his behavior. No, you don't like him. You don't even want to go home tonight. <laughs> but you love them deeply. Mm -hmm. And if they got in trouble, you'd be there for them. Mm -hmm. You get down there as fast as you can, put your arm around and say, we love you. You're in trouble. We know you can handle it. Brought a list of lawyers we think might take your case. Good luck, buddy. But you're there for them. Um, I have to, I, I'm going to talk just a moment uh, about uh, Joe Biden, who is president. Um, his son had had a drug issue. One of his sons who had uh, been in the military and then had a drug issue. And uh, people on um, the other political side were trying to make hay out of that and saying how awful that was and the like. When his son was in treatment, his son said, you must be ashamed of me. I, I'm disappointed. He said, no, son, I love you. You're my son and I love you. That's what a child who is in trouble needs to hear. I'm not happy with what you did, but I love you. Mm -hmm. That unconditional acceptance of another human being. And that's what we need to teach our young people to be, is totally uh, accepting, not necessarily liking that other kid in school, but being totally accepted. I'd like to say that was unkind or that was mean, that was cruel. And I need you to be kind to another human being. It's mm -hmm. very different than nice. Mm. So there are lots of reasons, but you actually have to be taught that it's okay. Uh, check out in your own home, check out sibling bullying, check out if you as an adult are bullying your child into behaving. Um, mm. And if you are, you can stop it. You can. Once you recognize it, that's step one. Mm. Let's talk about how to deal with bullies because you said something that I found in interesting and parents might appreciate is we should never say to ignore or purposely avoid a bully or someone that's bullying us. Why and what should we do? Well, let me first talk about what you don't do if your yes. kid's been targeted because that fits in there. Don't minimize, rationalize, explain it away. Oh, boys be boys, girls will son and be mean. That's just part of growing up. No, it's not. It should never be a part of a child's growing up. Mm -hmm. It is for so many, but it shouldn't be. So let's not keep that myth going. Don't tell them, um, oh, don't rush in to solve it. Uh, mm. You want to. You want to wring the bully's neck and anybody that yeah. participated in the you didn't step in. You'll only make it worse and your kids will quit telling you. Um, don't tell them to avoid or ignore. And those are the two biggies. Ignore them. Well, the problem with ignoring, uh, there's a book uh, that Lakoff put out, Don't Think of the Elephant. What'd you just think of? An elephant. Mm -hmm. So you say ignore, ignore, ignore. So you tell them to just turn away from it and, and it starts to eat at them internally. 
uh, I'm no good, I am dumb, I am stupid. By the third scene in this sixth scene tragedy, bullies don't have to target your child then. They begin to target themselves. I don't tell them to get in the bully's face, but why should that child have to, have to drop out of a class? Why should that child have to sit in the front of the bus? Why aren't the bullies sitting in the front of the bus? Or uh, move? Change now, schools, yeah. However, I will make an exception there with changing schools. If it's so collective there that they are targeting your child, sometimes the best thing to do is get them out of that set setting. Mm. When the adults aren't supportive and the kids have basically ganged up on this kid and there is no way to redeem that. Um, I give some examples in the book, of especially one girl. She was targeted every day by a group of mean girls and boy, can't girls be mean collectively because they use social bullying which can be so devastating in an adult just, and uh, um, this young girl, every day the girls would decide who would get the most points for being mean to her. And so the mom called me and I said, you know, the best thing to do is get her out of there. You're not getting support from adults there. And these girls have formed this vicious circle. Bless her, she said, but they'll target somebody else. I said, I know, but it's your kid I'm worried about right now. And the school needs to deal with these girls. But right now, your girl's safety and mental well-being is at stake. She went to another school. She talked to the administration about what had happened. They made sure to, to get some of the more popular girls involved with her. And like within weeks, she was a different kid. So sometimes mm -hmm. that does happen. Okay. okay. But it's not their job to do the avoiding. We've okay. got to make sure that the kid is safe. I have an obligation as an educator to make sure every kid walking through the my door is safe in school. And then another thing you don't want to do is you don't want to tell uh, the child uh, to fight back. It's not a fight. Defend yourself physically if you have to. Mm, but yeah, but it, most bullying is verbal or social more than it is physical. And well, it takes one to know one is an aggressive response back. Kids who bully are cowards, but they are, they're smart. They picked on somebody they knew they could get. And so to come back, aggression only begets more aggression. They don't teach a kid to do an aggressive comment back. Passivity invites it. Please stop, that hurts. <sighs> That's not going to work. That's exactly the response that <laughs> the kid who bullied wanted. Uh, I marvel when you say to a kid, just tell him it hurts. Oh, yeah, sure. That's not going to work. <laughs> An assertive response, you want to teach your kids to roll their shoulders around and down and stand strong. Notice I didn't say stand tall. We have a bias culturally for tall. Stand strong, a very short person, a very tall person, a kid who's struggling with their weight. Every kid can stand strong. So I use mm -hmm. that expression and said, stand strong and be able to come back with some assertive comments. Like that was mean, that was cruel. I don't need this, I'm out of here. Giving them ways to come back rather than telling them to fight back. And the last thing you don't want to do as a parent is confront the, the kid who targeted your child or their parents alone. If you can get a third party to be there, that helps because it has to be learned. So it might run in the family. And, when, and they're saying, well, my kid's not a bully and they're bullying, you know? If your child's being targeted at school, it's so important. I am an educator as well as a parent and a grandparent. Um, it's so important. Bullying happens under the radar of adults often, and we won't see it. So if I don't know about it, but I'll promise you that if you tell me your child has been targeted, number one, I will keep your child safe. 
Number two, I will deal effectively with the kid who targeted your child. And number three, I'm going to deal with those not so innocent bystanders as well. As a parent, um, first instinct would be to call their parent, to tell them do you, or call the teacher, do you know what's happening? But in this case, would you say if you want to speak with the parent, then both your child and their child should be present? That. We've got to be so careful not to use conflict resolution tools. The kid who targeted your child already is in a more powerful position. Yeah. Very often, I'm going to go to a school scene here. A girl comes to me and says, this girl's calling me ugly names, locking me out of the chat room and won't let me sit with my at the same table at lunch. And we set the two girls down and use our conflict resolution skills. Girls, let's be nice. Let's work this out. I know we can do this. Well, you know what? You know who's going to be the nicest there? The kid who bullied. Oh, I'm so sorry if you were offended, which is not an I'm sorry at all. Puts the problem back on the kid who was targeted. I didn't mean that. Oh, you tripped. You could have sat at the lunch table with us. We didn't lock you out. And the other girl is sitting there. I'm not ready to make nice. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, come on, let's work this out. This is not a conflict. Remember that. You don't use conflict resolution tools. So you don't put the two of them together yet. Is there a time to come together? Yes. After we have helped affirm the dignity and worth of the targeted kid, give them some tools to come back. Most importantly, number one, you have to hold those who targeted your child accountable for what they did. This includes if your child has targeted somebody else, you need to hold them accountable. Not let's sit down together with the kid who was targeted. They're already in a weakened position. So what, do they, what do you do? Restitution, resolution, reconciliation. Number one, own and fix what you did to the best of your ability. The problem with bullying is it's often very difficult. You can't get those words back. Mm -hmm. If you went online and targeted somebody, you can send a message online to everybody you sent that message to that what I said was mean and cruel. You don't repeat it. What I said was mean and cruel. If you received it, would you delete it? If you sent it on to others, would you please send this message on? Now, some of their peers may look at that and go, oh yeah, right. Yeah. Somebody's going to do that. <laughs> but at least they have had to make the attempt to fix it in the best mm. way they can. Notice I didn't demand an I'm sorry. You demand an I'm sorry, you get one of three kinds. I'm sorry, real heartfelt. Or I'm sorry, said it was sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's like some people use confession and some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. But they just say I'm sorry and it's supposed to be better. It's not. Yeah. Um, and others, I'm sorry if you were offended. Now that puts the problem back on the kid who was offended. Mm. No, no, you did the offending. So I don't demand it, I'm sorry, but restitution. Resolution, I want you to tell me. And you can start this as young as five. I want you to tell me how you're going to keep that from happening again. Well, I won't ever call him that name again. Oh, that's good. That's what you won't do. I want you to tell me what you will do. And this is where our wisdom as adults can come in. They say, I don't know. Well, how about calling him by his given name? Oh, what a concept. <laughs> um, and also, if you did it online, that uh, we're going to trust but verify here. You're not going to be online for a period of time because you've demonstrated to us you're not using it responsibly. You've hurt somebody. Now, you can send that message to others. You can delete what you said. It's never permanently gone, remember. Uh, but you can make the effort. But for maybe a week, you're not going to be online at all, and you're not going to be using yourself on that. 
I mean, you've just done horrible things to your kid right there in their minds, right? But you're saying then when you get back online, you're going to have to verify for me what you're doing is not mean and cruel. Oh, but mom, don't you trust me? Not right now. I want to trust you though. And let's demonstrate to me that you can use this properly. Uh, let's demonstrate that when you're together with those kids that you're not ganging up on another kid. You've got to show me. I believe you can do it. You've got to show me. And the third R is when the two can come together. But it's when the targeted kid feels ready. So you do it separately. It can be the parent, the educator, teacher. Uh, Can it be done by peers? Does it have to be an adult or authority figure for this part to work? Peer counselors. I work a lot with peer counselors. And I'll say to them, have you ever been in a situation where putting the two together didn't work? Every single time it's been when there's a bullying scenario. And so we need to let them know that you haven't failed. It's just that that tool is not the proper one for that. Um, Getting your peers, that that, uh, brave-hearted kid, to stand up for the targeted kid or to stand and say, leave him alone, those are effective tools in a bullying scenario. But getting all the peers together to, uh, in a sense, shame the kid who did the targeting is not very helpful at so all. If, for what you've explained, the three steps, that that only works when there is an adult present. Yes, it's yes. best. And if it's a very popular kid who's doing that and uh, say, you know, back off, leave him alone, yeah. uh, it has more powers. So what to do okay, when the child is bullied? When we look at what not to do, it's so important to, uh, that we then look at what can we do. We have to say to our child who's been targeted, is, I hear you. I'm here for you. I believe you. You're not in this alone. Kids who bully other kids want that child they've targeted to feel isolated. And also, uh, the kid who did the bullying will try to convince the adults that the target is really the one who is bullying them. They don't want the targeted kid to be bullied. I didn't say that. Hit me first kind of thing. So you've got to say to a target, I hear you. I'm here for you. I believe you. You're not in this alone. Watch their body language. If you have a kid who says, he called me an ugly name and he has a smirk on his face, check it out. You know, um, all the girls are laughing. One girl's crying. We were just teasing. Watch the smirk, it'll be there, meaning they intended to harm. The next thing you want to say is it's not your fault. Your kid may be weird, dorky, odd, strange, ADHD, Asperger's, missed social cues. Nothing justifies mean behavior. Nothing. Um, And so I don't want the kid hearing, well, if you'd have done this, if maybe you hadn't done this, or you didn't listen to No, it's Mm -hmm. not your fault. But then we also have to empower the kid who's been targeted. Right now, they feel powerless. And so you say, there are things you can do. So we talk to them about rolling their shoulders around and down and standing strong. That's why I like banded music, the arts. You cannot play a musical instrument in a passive posture. You've got a kid in school like this all the time. He shows up for an hour to music. He has to roll his shoulders around and down and stand strong. And in sports, uh, yeah. It, 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 you can't play basketball in passive posture. It just mm-hmm. isn't going to work. Um, my old arts teacher, Sister Thomasita, world-renowned for her work, said uh, children who create will not destroy. 
So you have your kids being very creative. Now look at music and art and sports and uh, singing. Mm -hmm. It's I, thou, our common humanity. I'm unique. You're unique. And we make harmony together. We play as a team. We're reinforcing that human connectedness. The more we can do that, the better it is for every person, whether they're the bully, not so innocent bystander, afraid to step in, or the kid who was targeted. We can help them all be brave-hearted. I, I find this is something tricky because it's easy to say, well, the child has to stand up for himself or herself and be courageous. But a lot of kids have low self-esteem. I know, remember when I was a teen and a little kid, I would be terrified of, and I had someone in my, on the school bus that was older and they kept teasing me. And at one point I'm like, that's it. I'm going to say something. I remember that day like it was yesterday because I was sweating. I was nervous. I, it, it took every ounce of courage I could manage to to speak up to someone older. I knew I had to do it myself, but it's tough. It's, it's tough. very tough. And that's where the brave-hearted kids come in. Others around you being willing to speak for you, mm. to stand up for you. But we as adults have to be vigilant. We have to be observing we have to be willing to say, like buses, buses is a high risk area for targeted kids. I think it's foolish to ask somebody speeding down the highway as a bus driver to also be keeping an eye on who's targeting somebody. Yeah. That's why I recommend we have another adult on the bus, mm -hmm. even if it's a volunteer grandparent, <laughs> you know, to step in because kids can't do it alone. You are right. It's difficult. But I want to empower them to be able to even go, I'm out of here. That you, I want young people to know you don't have to take this. Then the next thing we want to do is make sure that there is someone they can tell that can support them. And uh, it's critical that there's somebody be around that can uh, step in. That's why it's so important as we as adults be tuned into what bullying is and what it isn't. Uh, so that we can be tuned in and not brush it off, not ignore it. Mm -hmm. uh, we also want to look at the antidotes to bullying. And this is for the kid who's being bullied, but it's also for the kid who's doing the targeting. And it's also for those not so innocent bystanders. The four antidotes to bullying is one, a strong sense of self. Now I didn't say self-esteem. A strong sense of self recognized that I'm unique. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm special. And so is the kid next to me. We have our gifts, we have our liabilities, we have our talent, and we have an obligation to share those. And we have an obligation to honor the person in front of us. So I vow common humanity, a strong sense of self. Bullies inflate their ego by deflating other human beings. I'm not talking ego. I'm talking that strong sense of I matter in the mm. world. I can make a difference. So what, what can you do as a parent? Um, the antidotes to hating, hoarding, and harming, the three most virulent agents ripping apart the fabric of our humanity right now, hating others with utter contempt, hoarding, me, mine, and more, and harming through lying and cheating, stealing, which severs that I-thou relationship. The antidotes, care deeply, share generously, help willingly. Mm -hmm. The more you can help your young people care deeply about one another, Siblings don't always like one another, but they can care deeply. 
caring deeply is that must to relieve their suffering and wishing them well. I know many of you out there with more than one child will have those two kids fighting like cats and dogs. But if a third party comes in and says anything about your brother or your sister, you're right there to defend them. And that's what you want them to do. You know, they care deeply about their sibling. Share generously. The more you can help your kids share of their talents, their gifts, uh, the more humble they will become. Uh, help willingly. Um, I'm often asked by parents of kids who have attempted suicide and been un unsuccessful in their suicide attempt, what more they can do. They say, we've got him in a new school. We've got him in counseling. We've done all these things. What more can we do? I said, what's he doing? Wait a minute. He was targeted. I said, what's he doing? Is he working in a soup kitchen, Habitat for Humanity, a nursery? What is he doing for others? Because one of the best things, James Natchway said it beautifully, do good because good is good to do. So the exciting. more he can do something good. Now that means the bully too. <laughs> But how the person being targeted, targeted doing good for others when he's not the one doing mean things or saying, how will that benefit him and stop the it, bullying? Because, well, we're not talking stopping the bullying. We're talking about increasing their sense of self. They, okay. they have been diminished by the kid who bullied him. Got it. So when they get out and help others, they are a stronger human being. The sad thing about kids who are targeted is the more we see them after each targeting session, they are less than diminished in their sense of self. And we say, well, look, he's walking around like this all the time. He wasn't at first. It wasn't until he started getting targeted. So I want to increase his sense of self. The other three things we need to do as antidotes to bullying is teach them how to be a good friend. We don't do that as a culture. We talk about frenemies. We talk about uh, friends, 500 friends on uh, line. No, no. How to be a good friend. Being able to be there for one another and the like. So are we nurturing our friendships and letting our children see that? And are we helping them nurture good friendships where it isn't? And girls are so uh, horrible at this. Where <laughs> if you're my friend today, you can't be her friend. <laughs> and we want to teach them that um, friendships, by the way, don't happen in circles. Friendships happen one-on-one. -on -one. I can be your friend. And you can be a friend of my friend, but it, there are, your relationship with her is different than with me. Mm. It, and my relationship with her is different. And that's not a bad thing. We're there mm -hmm. for one another. So get, teaching them to be a good friend, making sure if a child's at high risk for being targeted, that they have at least one good friend. And I am a special ed teacher. So I would often make sure that those kids in my class had a buddy, another kid in school who was popular who was willing to be there for them to eat lunch with them mm -hmm. and the like. It helps in lots of ways. So we want to teach them how to be a good friend and also make sure they have a good friend. And the last thing, we have to teach them how to get into a group and when to get out. Mm, I so love this. Yeah. How to get into that, a group. They may be shy. They may be afraid after they've been traumatized by being ostracized by an entire group. Bullying rarely is a, uh, the kid bullying and the kid who's targeted. It's usually that group. And so we want to uh, help them learn to get in a group. However, we also, if we want them to be brave hearted, teach them to get out of that group when that group is deciding collectively that they're going to harm another kid. And so those four antidotes, strong sense of self, be a good friend, have a friend or a buddy, 
and learn how to get into a group and when to get out are very important skills for any young person mm. to have. This is perfect, like perfect segue for what I want to speak about next. And it's actually a mother that um, wrote about this, a mother I know, and I wanted to help her out on this topic. So for weight-based bullying, and what she said is her daughter is 10 years old. So after a few months at home during COVID, she went back to school and she was bullied about her weight, commented on. And the thing she said, you know what's the most frustrating is these girls, she calls them her friends. Who are targeting her. Yes. And what we, what we want to teach young people is that they don't have to take any of this. And then call them on that friendship because it's not a real friend. I wrote in my latest edition of, of the Bully Bully Not So Innocent Bison, I've got to say, it's been revised twice for online bullying. Because if you think about in 2000, it didn't exist. Yeah. But I also added two other areas to the book. One is allergy-based bullying. And the second was weight-based bullying. Mm -hmm. Because weight-based bullying is a very serious thing. I had the wonderful opportunity on being on the show with teenagers who had gone through uh, on The Biggest Loser. And it was quite an eye-opener to me because I had to study up and look at, there's only one major weight-based bullying uh, research project out there that uh, would uh, shake you to the core. And there was a young girl, and I'm going to give you her name. Her name is Jess Baker. Um, and she was targeted by the hateful comments about body size. And so she began the campaign, bodies aren't ugly, bullying is ugly. You know, so we've got to, you know, celebrate one another. 68% of young people reported weight-based bullying at school. 68%. Wow. And the majority being when they increase their body weight. However, Another statistic that just struck me so much was 27% uh, of the perpetrators were educators in school. Oh and 37% of the perpetrators were parents of the kid who was overweight. How many percent were parents? Uh, 37%. And 42% were physical ed teachers and coaches. So we've got to you know, wake up to this. Um, 92% of the perpetrators uh, uh, were a supposed friends, supposed friends. And so we need to be alarmed by that. But another stat that just struck me to the core was many of these young people had lost a significant amount of weight and they were getting ready to go back to school, but had found out when they had started to lose weight that the mocking continued. And sadly enough, when they went back to school, one of the things I had to talk to them about was you will be targeted again. And they had lost all that weight. That there's another uh, key element of that is peer association. That if you are associated with a child who's being targeted, you are at high risk for being targeted. So if you have a, a sibling who has a disability, you might be at risk for being targeted. If you have a sibling who is overweight or underweight, by our standards, um, you have a risk of being targeted. So they even a sibling will try to separate themselves from their brother or sister. So weight-based bullying is a critical thing, and we got to wake up ourselves. How concerned are we about body image with our young people it, it, online and, and offline? Uh, 
pictures they see in the light are not helping us, but are we contributing as well? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're eating too much. They begin to feel, you remember that sense of self is so critical mm -hmm. to have. And that includes being comfortable in your own body. A child may need to, at puberty, especially with our young girls and going through it sooner, we tend to get a little chunkier. It's part of our body's survival and development. And so we have to be very careful and very aware. And when I looked at those stats for PE teachers and for educators, it should be a wake-up call to us. Wow. How do we treat kids? Because the way we treat them will give others permission to treat them the same way. Yeah. It seems to me with this that a part of it goes back to how kids, teenagers see adults interacting and they, they repeat it. We're seeing it at seven and eight. One thing I want to ask you about is the emotional scars that being targeted leaves. And you often hear adults say, I do this now because this happened when I was younger, or I'm more sensitive to this because I was targeted. Um, how can you work around in preventing these emotional scars once bullying has happened? Um, you can't. You can't. And that's the reality. It's, it's a part of the thread in your tapestry. It's an ugly thread. But this phenomenal book called The Ethics of Memory. And this researcher looked at people who had been physically tortured and those who had been isolated and tormented verbally, uh, whether it was with loud music or verbal assaults on their body. Mm -hmm. And he talks about uh, the pain of the insult and the pain of the injury. The pain of the injury, whether you're physically harmed or that incident of being called a name and the like, mm -hmm. The pain of that injury will go away unless in torture, there's been serious physical scarring or harm. Like John McCain had a permanent arm injury that was a constant reminder uh, of the torture he had gone through. Mm -hmm. So a child may experience some physical pain that uh, is a constant reminder, but that pain tends to diminish as you heal. What he found, though, was the pain of the insult during that physical torture never went away. So he began to look at, okay, if physically being bullied, uh, the pain of the injury goes away or fades away, but the pain of the insult during that injury, when the kids are mocking you, putting your head in a trash can, mm -hmm the toilet. If that doesn't ever go away, what happens uh, when kids are verbally abused or isolated from their peers, shunning, rumor, gossip, mm -hmm. and inclusion? And what he found was there was no pain of physical injury. Although the body seeing those words on, online or hearing those words is an assault, the pain of the insult never goes away and needs to be healed. And uh, again, when you're healed, you're never made whole as you were. That's why we have to stop bullying now, is that we recognize it doesn't go away. It still remains that thread. Now, you build on other threads so that it is a link there. I have seen teachers who have gone into the profession because they themselves had been relentlessly tormented and swore they would never let this happen to another child. That was part of their own healing, to be there, to have that power to say, not here, no more. That was mean, that was cruel. And so it can work 
to the advantage. We see people who have watched mom or dad be very ill and gone into the medical profession. That mm -hmm. is part of their healing. Mm. Um, so when we hear people say sticks and stones will break my bones and words will never hurt me, that's a lie. It's a huge lie. And the ethics of memory research points that out. So the best thing is to not to have that memory ever, that thread in there, but it's there for so many of us as adults. And we have to say, this did happen to me. It was not my fault. And what am I going to do to help heal from this? Because mm. I have to take an active role myself. There are times when it's been so that true uh, therapeutic intervention is necessary. Um, Michael Phelps, the swimmer, tried to self-medicate. He had a dolphin-like body. He had a very long torso. And he also had big ears. And kids mercifully, mercilessly targeted him. And he tried to self-medicate and admits to that. And now is um, uh, a strong advocate for mental health. What helped him heal? getting therapeutic mm. intervention. And you think, well, he's got all these gold medals and the like. No, but he was relentlessly targeted. He didn't feel so good about himself. And here he is winning all these medals. It, it, it is okay to get help. If you're an adult who's been relentlessly tormented or still being tormented by a sibling, and that is more common than we'd like to admit, um, then you can get help. And it's also okay to say, I don't need that person in my life that the best thing I can do is I can care about them. I cannot wish them harm um, because that'll eat at me. You know, the, the Chinese have a saying, those who seek revenge had best dig two graves because it'll kill you too. <laughs> but to say, you know what? I don't need to go to that family gathering as much as I would like to because I don't need to be abused. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, it, they're not going to listen. You're not going to get support from other family members. It's okay to find new family. It's okay to seek out others that you can call family. Mm. Um, that you make me think of something because I have a old uncle and he, he had some, he was a racist. I'll just put it blankly. And he would attack me about my partner every time um, because he's from Northern Africa. And he, how could you? <laughs> why are you choosing basically to be with someone like that? And it made me so nervous that finally I just had to speak up. And I'm like, my partner doesn't want to come because he's say, saying all these things and no one would speak up. They just it just smile, <laughs> like let it pass, you know, like no, it, it's, not. Uh, it's that crazy uncle, you know, it's no, normal. No, it's not. And that's where I say it's so important for you to be that witness, resistor, defender for your spouse yeah. is to be able to say that was racist. That was mean. That was cruel. And if you persist in this, I'm not coming back. My partner matters more to me than this family gathering where nobody else around me, it's okay yeah. to target that and say, nobody else around me is willing to back us up. Yeah. Let this kind of garbage go on. It's yeah. okay to do that, to go home. Uncle has to go home and reflect on that. And he may or may not change. <laughs> and you know what happened after I finally spoke up? he refused to go to any gathering where I was present or that my partner was present. That, that's yeah, his but, problem. But uh, even as an adult, you have to speak up. And sometimes a lot of things we let go because we say that's who they are. They've always been like this. Mean and cruel. Mean and cruel. Or it's just it, a joke. 
mm -mm, mm -mm. not when you attack somebody when you're laughing at someone that is taunting when you're laughing with somebody lighthearted teasing but when they make racist or sexist comments that is saying to our young people around us that um it's okay it is never okay and so for you to stand up to family is hard to do because it may sever relationships what is so um distra distressful to me is when the other adults make excuses for that behavior mm. uh, that is a microcosm of what's going on in classrooms too when we make excuses mm. when others are targeted no no but someone has to do it somebody yeah. has to be able to stand up and know that you will do it at cost but if you don't do it who will and so your partner needs to know that you will defend him against those kind of comments and that if the rest of the relatives are willing to be in that trap of comradeship they will begin to make excuses oh well he's older he's always been that way he you know or saying well you know you married somebody outside of our circle i was uh, targeted by a couple of relatives because i married an italian i grew up in colorado but originally from new york and i didn't know uh at that time the history of italians and irish when they immigrated to new york and it was ugly and some of that ugly continued. When I moved to Colorado, it wasn't an issue. So marrying an Italian to me was, what's the big deal? But yeah. I had an uncle who was uh, not happy. Uh, and so I didn't even understand it. But we had to say, if he's going to be there, um, we're not going to be there because nobody has, especially our children, to see their father being targeted for their ethnicity when they're half of that ethnicity. You know, so uh, we have to be willing to take a stand as adults and when your children see you do that they're more likely to be that witness resistor defender that brave-hearted kid mm, i love that i love that i want to talk about something fun that you did with your three children yes. and they're much older <laughs> but they're adults and grand they're adults. <laughs> <laughs> but i read that you had them uh, do Aikido, a defensive Japanese martial art. So what was the reason for you to tell them, uh, to bring them to these self-defense classes? Yeah, Aikido, all three of them studied that. They all started the same time. So Joey would have been five, uh, Maria would have been seven, and Anna would have been eight. Aikido was something we were introduced to um, and, and it's interesting, with John Denver. John Denver was very active, the singer. But it's a nonviolent form of self-defense, and that's what appealed to us. But Kiyokito, there are other martial arts, but this is the one that we thoroughly enjoyed. Now, my middle daughter was a stunt woman, so she trained in a variety of martial arts, and my, and my younger son also studied various ones, but it's Aikido they fall back on uh, in terms of mindset, where you use your power to in a defensive move as opposed to an offensive mm. move. Um, and so if you look at the Karate Kid, the master, when he was attacked by six other people, did not use karate. He was using Akibo defend them off. It's an That's interesting, interesting. Thing, you know. So it was a nonviolent form of self-defense. I recommend any kind of self-defense where trophies are not the big deal. <laughs> you know, where kids are walking around with, their, but they're truly learning that mindset of mindfulness 
and our connection with one another as human beings, to use one another's energy to achieve a goal. It's that I thou common humanity constantly flowing through that. Mm -hmm. And so to give that to a child who um, is being targeted as a gift, but I would also say it would be a gift to the not so innocent bystanders and to the kid who's aggressive if they have a good sensei. If they have a good coach um, who teaches them how to use the gifts and the skills that they have uh, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've seen soccer coaches do that well, where you'll have an aggressive kid who's getting red carded and been pulled back and not allowed to play for a period of time, even though they are extremely talented until they begin to use their talent productively and not to attack another human being. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just a martial art, it can be good coaching in, in almost any field. If you would go to our website, www.kidsareworthitallspelledout.com, there is a, a, a button on the very front page. You can download all the handouts for all of my lectures, but there's a button there that says Free Educator's Guide to Bullying. Um, and what I have done is I've taken my uh, bully book, condensed it for educators, but I also uh, expanded it for more educational tools. However, parents and educators can download that, and it's a quick read. You can thumb through it and find out the different kinds of, of bullies, the seven kinds. You can look at uh, the bully circle. You can look at what to do uh, if a kid is targeted, what not to do. Is there a bully in the house? Or how do we deal with that if there's a not so innocent bystander in the house and the like? But it's a condensed version of the full book for those of you who are needing something right away or just want a quick read. It's kind of like a cliff notes, you know, the Coles notes or the cliff notes. Canadians use the Coles notes. We have the cliff notes. <laughs> it's a cliff note version of it. And also the handout that goes through some real basics real fast are also downloadable there. Yeah. And I'll put all the links so they can find you and find all about your books and everything. Um, I know I asked you this question last time you came, but I'm curious to see, maybe I'll check to see if you're you're giving the same answer, different one this time. So we all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what uh, one thing have you found kept you energized and inspired throughout your mom journey? Um, my children surprising me all the time, and watching now as a grandmother, mm-hmm. watching my children navigate a pandemic thank you for listening to another episode of citrus love keeping motherhood inspired podcast if you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode please share it with them you can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys.